Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Right now, um, we have a really special guest with us today, and uh, it's just so weird um, how this whole thing came about. Um, I lost my voice and my ability to talk right around the same time that, that this young lady came into town. Um, uh, her name is Cherie Rice, and she's from Australia, and um, we've been connected with her for about three years, a little over three years. Um, it, was, it was crazy the way that we met. Uh, right about three years ago, we had just started the church in January of 2015, and that summer, um, I got an email from Cherie saying that she's from Australia. She wants, she feels called to plant a church in Austin. And so she wanted to meet with my wife and I because uh, we had just planted a church in Austin. And so we, we do this frequently. We meet with people who want to plant churches here and we want to help them and equip them and warn them uh, about how awful it is. No, just kidding. Uh, don't do it. Um, anyway, and, uh, and so we always, we always try to do that. And so we, so we met with Cherie at a, uh, at a, at a cheesecake factory. And that's when it became even weirder. Like she talked about the fact that she was actually at the same training, the ARC training that we were at the year prior. So those of you that have been to 101, you know that Ro and I, um, I felt called to pastor since I was 12, but um, I didn't know how to start or plant a church from scratch. And so we went to this organization called ARC, Association of Related Churches, and they helped train us. And uh, they also certified us and they, they gave us their stamp of approval and whatever. It's kind of a big deal. We had it on our website for a while, but then we just took it off because we're like, eh. But anyway, she had seen the fact that we were ARC, and then we, when, as we got talking, we realized that we were both at the same training at the same day wanting to plant a church, and she wanted to plant a church in Austin called City Chapel. And uh, apparently ARC liked us better, so I, I don't know. They, she, they were like, eh. No, just kidding. Um, but um, no, like, like, it's so weird. And so then she found us and we got talking. We had so much in common and we have the same spirit and the same vision for our city. And so we immediately started trying to get her to move here, like from Australia, you know, to be a part of City Chapel. But um, God was making her stay in Australia for a while. She's an associate pastor there at a church, um, which I'm sure she'll tell you a little bit about. But um, when she came into town, uh, uh, I wasn't able to lead our leadership meeting on Wednesday night because my voice was gone. And so Ro asked her if she could share something. And she said, oh, well, God's actually give me something to share. She didn't know anything about the new building or anything that we were doing. And the word that God had given her was so exactly, I think, what our people need to hear and exactly what I've been feeling. But I've been on this other sermon series, Me Also Me. And and so I'm, I'm very tunnel vision. So God speaks to me and I'm like, yeah, I can't do that right now because I'm, I'm preaching about me also me, you know. And so God's like, okay, fine, then I'm just going to take away your voice and then you can't preach. And, um, and then he brings in Cherie and she has, she has a message very similar to what I was feeling. So I really do think this is a kind of God moment. I don't have a lot of people preach here, as you know, it's always me because I love hogging the mic. Um, it's just what I do. Um, I, you know, I've waited 38 years for this, so I'm just going to preach every single Sunday, you know. Um, but I'm really excited, though, to listen to what Cherie, what God's given Cherie to share with us and uh, what she might impart to us as, as a fellow sister in Christ from Australia. So would you just give her a warm welcome as she comes up to share with us today? Thank you so much. You see the baton exchange there? It was uh, quite simple and uh, germs removed. Hey, um, I want to say a big thanks. How great is Pastor Harry and Rowena? Like, aren't they amazing? Don't you love them? 
When I first met them, I was like, these are my kind of people. And uh, they just had great faith and expectation in what they were doing. And I was really inspired by that. And so every summer I've kind of come back to Austin and caught up with them and spent some time with them and continue to be inspired as I come back to their services and to see you all and some of your familiar faces. So it's like coming back to family. Um, but I'm just so super grateful to be here. So can you put up with an Aussie for a little bit today? Is that okay? Is my accent a little bit too strong? No, it's all right. <laughs> They're used to you? Okay. Well, you're, you're Kiwi though. The same, same? No, no. My brother-in-law's Kiwi and it's not same. No. Hey, um, you know, uh, my name is Cherie Rice. Okay, now everyone say Cherie Rice. Okay, so you, all right, all right, here we go. Now this is the thing. See, in, in America, you all say Shari for my name, if you see it written down, it's Shari. And then you, and then you say Ross. Did you, who said Ross just then? Yeah? So, so it happens regularly that when I come into town, I, people, they ask me, they say, oh, so, um, you know, I'll go into a restaurant and I'll make an order for a what, takeaway, ta- uh, takeout. Is that what you call it? I don't even know what you call it, sorry. Um, but you take your food away from the restaurant. And so I'd go in and make an order and I would order, say, a Thai chicken red curry. And they'd be like, yep, name. And I'd be like, rice. And they'd be like, no, 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 no. Rice comes with the meal. What's your name? <laughs> My name is rice. No, 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 what, not what you're eating. What's your, your name? I'm like, oh my gosh. But you know, how many times I've come here and people cannot pronounce my name. So I was at a gym, F45, just in Austin and uh, in Round Rock. And I was there and hanging out and doing some workouts. And the lady was there. If you follow me on Insta, you would have seen it on a story. But um, it was like, Shari, come on, Shari. I'm like, that is not my name. Okay, so just in case you missed it, my name is Shari. Shari. No, I can't even say my own name. <laughs> Cherie, that's my name. But you know, have you ever had a moment where you, you kind of hear something and you go, huh, did, did I hear that right? Did I, did I hear that right? So back three years ago, I came to America, like Pastor Harry was saying, and I was ready to step out and step into what I felt God had called me to do. I'd taken some big steps of faith, felt like God said, pack up everything, sell everything, sell your business, and uh, step out of the ministry that I was in at that time and launch out, and I'll, I'll tell you where you're going. And he started to pave some ways for me. And I really was just walking a faith journey. And as I started to walk this faith journey, I got to Austin and found my people. And I was really, really excited. And I sat with Pastor Ron Harry in a restaurant and they talked about, yeah, we'd love to get you out here. We'd love to have you come out here and do some stuff with us. We'd, we'd really love that. And I'd like, this is awesome. It was the best birthday present ever three years ago. Then three days later, Three nights later, I should say, in the middle of the night, God woke me up and without hearing an audible sound, I felt this huge impression on my heart that said, you need to go back and help Ron. And I was like, huh, what? Did you, did I hear that? No, 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 no. That was too much birthday cake. That was too much pizza. That was way too much of something else. That cannot be. And for about three nights, I wrestled with God and had this moment of like, did I, did I hear that right? Have you ever been there? Yes. Have you ever been there in a place where, where you start walking a journey or, or you're in the middle of something and, and God starts to, to put on you a word and you're like, uh, I don't know if I want to hear that. Yes. 
I don't know if I want to hear that. Maybe, maybe uh, uh, for you, it's, it's like, um, you know, don't turn that TV show on or turn that TV show off. And you're like, no, I'm quite enjoy- enjoying myself right now. Or maybe it's something of a more serious nature where God has given you a promise of provision, but yet your job fell through. Or you're waiting on something to come through and the bills are mounting up. Have you ever been there? Or maybe you've got sickness in your body, in your soul or in your mind and, and you're holding on to a promise from God and, and you're feeling like this is, this is not happening and, 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 and surely this can't be it. This can't be it. Maybe you're like me and single and waiting for a husband or a wife to turn up, in my case, a husband, clearly. Um, and it's been 21 years of waiting to meet Mr. Wright. And I'm like, God's got this promise. He said to me when I was uh, 18, he said to me, if you, if you want what I've got for you, you wait. Obedience is easy when you're like the little things, right? But it's in the bigger things. And then all of a sudden it's like year goes past and I'm like, okay, God, I want to be married by the time I'm 20. Another year goes past. Then a decade goes past. And you're like, did I hear God right? Like surely... Surely God has a breakthrough coming through for me. Have you ever been there? Maybe you're praying for your children, your unsaved family and friends, and and you've heard from God they will be saved and you're not seeing the fruit of it happening. Maybe God's asking something of you. Go here, do this or do that. You know, it kind of feels sometimes that in the natural it feels ridiculous. And what I've come to realise is with God is that you're in a good place when you're hearing and you're obeying. So I'm going to pray and we're going to get straight into the message. Is that okay? God, I just thank you right now for the power of your word. I thank you, Lord, that you have spoken into my heart a clear word for your people and, Lord, for this church, for God, for where it's heading and where they are heading. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would take every word that proceeds from my mouth, let it come from the throne of heaven and penetrate hearts and, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Now, if you've got a Bible, you can open up your Bible or you can see it on the screens beside me. We're going to go into 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 7 and uh, 16. And I want to talk to you a little bit about where the Israelites were at at this point of time. Uh, they had banded together with three different other armies and they were going up against the Moabites. And in this particular uh, time and season of the life of, of, of uh, Jehoshaphat and a couple of others, they were on a mission to go out and take over the land. And they hit a problem. They walked around for seven days and they were with no water. They had nothing for their animals nor for their army. And, uh, and so they decided to, you know what, we're going to get through this. We're going to go seek uh, what God would say to us through the prophet Elisha. And so they go to the prophet Elisha and ask Elisha to seek God on their behalf in order to be able to hear what God wants to say. And so we pick it up in 2 Kings 3.16 and this is what the prophet said. He said, thus saith the Lord, make the valley full of ditches. Make the valley full of ditches. There's an army, they have no water, and they're going up to battle 
against another army and what they want is instruction for the next step. And what God gives them makes no sense. It makes no sense. It makes no sense because they're going to war and God says dig ditches. And without water, they're exhausted, they're ruined. And I just want to ask you this question. Imagine what would be going through their mind. Dig ditches. Is this my grave? Is this, is this it? Like, am I to dig a ditch because we're all going to dig our own ditches and this be done? And he starts to, to, they start to, can you imagine what was going on? They start thinking in their own natural mind. And that's the tendency of what we have. And when I sat in my room and God woke me up and said, go back to Australia and help my previous senior pastor from where I'd started out, I was like, good Lord, that can't be right. I've given up everything to go in pursuit of what you've told me to do. And now you're saying, go back to Australia? And at the time, I wrestled with this. I went back to Australia and as I got on a plane, I got a phone call from a friend and there was another opportunity to open up in Austin. And it was like, well, maybe this is a closed door, but this one's open. And, and I started looking at all these different things. Have you ever been there? Where you hear from God, but you start to try and understand it with your human mind. Nothing seems to make any sense. It doesn't line up. The Israelites are in the middle of a war and God says, dig a ditch. Dig a ditch. And in that moment, they're confronted with their own mind, they're confronted with their own thoughts and they're confronted with the idea of what will I do with what has been said to me. And God says the same thing to you. What will you do with what I've said, what I'm saying to you? I, I know that uh, right now you're in a season of stepping out and, and launching into a building. And I'm just, I'm ecstatic to hear some of the stuff that's going on. I can't wait to actually get a chance to walk through it and see what you guys are going to, what's going to be ahead of you and what you're going to launch into. It's going to be awesome. But I felt really strongly that God gave me a word from Isaiah uh, chapter 54 for you. And that is that God wants to enlarge, He wants to expand, and He wants to lengthen. And there's a passage of scripture there um, that says that He wants you to, to stretch out the tent pegs. He wants you to lengthen out the ropes. And, and I believe right now what God wants is this word that I'm going to preach to you this morning is, is, is in the process of you lengthening out, God's going to ask of you some things that are going to require you to step out and shut off the reality of your natural mind and step in to where God wants to lead you by His Spirit and what He wants to do in this church, in your life. The church isn't a building, the church is you as a whole. And you know what? What makes no sense to you makes perfect sense to God when He has the big picture at hand. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and nor are my ways your ways. And the message version, which I love, says this. It says, I don't think the way you think. Hello. The way you work isn't the way I work. And God's decree, for as the sky soars above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. Beyond the way you think. 
See, God does his best work in these moments. It's a supernatural work that takes place. And he's calling you to a supernatural life. See, his ways in your situation are above what you can see, what you can feel, what you can know, and what you could possibly even understand. See, when I went back to Australia and uh, just went back and had conversations, I actually emailed my boss in the middle of the uh, three nights later, three days later, I should say, after God woke me up. I wrestled with it. And I emailed my senior pastor back um, and I said to him, uh, after having sent him one saying, I've got the opportunity to come over. It's awesome. I'm super excited. So he's really confused by this point. And I'm like, hey, so um, just need to ask you a question. Do you need any help in this season? And he replies, is not the green card visa what you want? And I'm like, yes, it, it is what I want. But I need to know, do you, do you need any help in this season? I was looking for a, like a, a confirmation just in case it was too much pizza. I was trying to convince myself it was too much pizza. If he had said, no, I don't need help, I would have been like, I'm here. <laughs> and in that moment, he, he sent a conversation, an email back to me and said, hey, I just want you to come back and have a conversation with me and we'll talk about it when you get back. I got back, he was on annual leave and it was like this long delayed process of waiting and waiting. But inside, I had that internal word that said, you need to come back and you need to help. And it made no sense. And even through the process of the last three years, there has been moments where it's like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And now at the end of three years, I'm like, God, you knew exactly what you were doing. You could see the big picture the whole way through. And yet I was stuck in the moment of going, come on, I don't want to. <laughs> Have you ever been there? I don't want to. I don't want to. But it's easy to stay in the comforts of what you know and what you're comfortable with and it is to step out. But there's blessing when you step in with obedience. And like I said, his ways are above what you can see, what you can feel and what you can understand. The second Kings moving on three verse 17 uh, says, you shall not see the wind nor shall you see the rain and yet the valley shall be filled with water so that your cattle and your animals may drink. I love this because the prophet says not only, hey, dig ditches, but he also says to them, it's going to happen, but it's not going to happen the way you thought it was going to happen. And as they're grappling with this, they have an instruction and they have a promise. They have a promise that God is going to come through. What you need to know today is that God has a promise for you that He will come through on your behalf. It may not look like what you thought it would look like. It may not happen the way you thought it might happen, but He is with you. He is for you. He is never going to leave you nor forsake you. And His promise will be fulfilled in your life. Come on. I love it because he says here, the provision will come. You won't understand it. You won't be able to see it because it's not coming through the rain falling into the ditch. But as you check it out, it says this, uh, just moving on to this, that next verse 18 says, and this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He's referring to the actual battle that they're going up against. He says, you know what? This is a simple matter. God's like, you know what? You can't see this, but I've got this. It's a simple thing. The thing that you're asking God for right now, it is a simple thing. And you need to hear that. That marriage you're fighting for, it is a simple thing that He'll sort out. That kid you're praying for and on your knees for, that is a simple thing and God will sort that out. 
the miracle that you need to take place, it is a simple thing and God will work it out. Now, some for you that may encourage you, but for some others, you're just like, that's easy for you to say. <laughs> but the reality is, is that with God, He sees above and beyond what we can see. And we see a snippet, we see a jigsaw piece of the puzzle of what it is that God sees. He promises us that the provision will come and it will come in a way that we don't understand. But the promises of victory is that, hey, yeah, this is a simple thing for God and He's got it. And begins to see the supernatural unfold on their natural effort. It begins to unfold. Verses 20 through to 24 say this. Now it happened in the morning when the grain of offering was offered that suddenly water came by the way of Ebdom and the land was filled with water. Now Ebdom was off from where they were and they did not see the rain. The rain was falling as they began to action out what God had called them to do. And it was happening by the, behind the scenes without them even realising and this is the thing, you're praying and God is working behind the scenes. You need to know that He is with you, He is for you, and you can't see it coming to pass, but by golly gosh, it is happening behind the scenes. And when all the Moabites had heard that the kings had come up to fight against them, all who were able to bear arms and older were gathered as they stood at the border. Then they rose up early in the morning and the sun was shining over the water and the Moabites saw the water on the other side as red blood. God would put the super on the natural and turn that whole situation around. Praise God. Come on. And they said, this is the blood. The kings have surely struck swords and have killed one another. Now, therefore, Moab, let's Moab, um, Moab to the spoil. And they sent their, their people in to just go in and pick up all the remnants and everything that was left over and, and, and reap the rewards. And so when they came to the camp of Israel, Israel rose up and attacked the Moabites so that they fled before them and they entered into their land, killing all the Moabites. Your breakthrough is about to come through. In the same way that God caused a breakthrough to rise up in the middle of something that was just unbelievably supernatural, God used it to bring a breakthrough. And your breakthrough is coming. Get ready, the water is coming and your enemies will be defeated. Your breakthrough is coming. Get ready and the provision is coming and your enemies will be defeated, leading you into the fulfilment of the promises that He has given to you. And God wants the supernatural to happen for you. He wants the supernatural to happen through you. And He makes no sense at the time, but he seem, it seems ridiculous, but He comes through. He comes through. I believe that there are three things that I see here in this passage that I believe can apply to our lives and things that we can do. And I believe that as... You begin to hear these things come out. You're going to start to hear God speak to you. You're going to have promptings of the Holy Spirit. It may not be like an audible voice and it may not be uh, uh, something of a, of a megaphone style thing, but it'll be a prompting. It'll be an inclination on the inside. And God's going to begin to start to do something inside. He's going to, some of you are going to have to be called to, to step out and serve at levels that you've never served in. 
Some of you are going to be called to give financially. Some of you, you're going to start to feel God start to speak to you about some things, speak to you about what to do with your family, what to do with that marriage, what to do with that relationship. And you're going to start to, to have a little, a little inclination, start to just turn up the volume a little bit. You've got to incline your ear. So here's the thing, three things. The first thing is that you can seek and hear from God. They sought a prophet. But you don't need to see a prophet because you have Jesus. You go straight to Jesus. We enter into the bowl, in the throne room boldly because of him and what he did on the cross for us. So we enter in and we go to him and we hear him and we, we seek him. And John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. He is speaking to you. Are your ears in tune to hear what it is? that he's got to say to you. Get a promise or a word of God for your situation. God, speak to me about this. Give me something to hold on to in the same way that they sought the prophet. Seek Jesus for a word for your situation or seek Jesus for a word of what it is that he's asking you to do. You know, I, I remember as a kid wanting to, to so um, be involved with what God had purposed and planned to reach people for Jesus. I remember reading books by Smith Wigglesworth and Catherine Kuhlman and, and seeing all of these great miracles take place and thinking, God, if you could use me, if you could, if you could use me, send me, I'll go. I'll do anything that you want me to do. And we have those moments where it's like, oh, anything but that, just, just maybe not that. I remember thinking, God, if you can do anything with my life, just use me. I heard this story one time about a, a young man who went up to a Coke machine and um, stood in front of it and uh, getting out of a can of Coke felt like the Spirit of God prompted him to do a headstand in front of the Coke machine. And he was like, if I do that, people are going to think I'm crazy. I can't do a handstand beside a Coke machine in a busy place. And he felt the Spirit of God again just resonate within him. Do a handstand. So he drops his stuff, puts his Coke down, gets down on his hands and does a handstand in front of the Coke machine. A man comes running over to him and says, why did you do that? Why did you do a handstand in front of the Coke machine? Why did you do that? And the man was like, oh my gosh, I've upset somebody. And he's like, I, uh, and you know, when you tell someone that you heard from God, well, in Australia, if you tell someone you heard from God, you're crazy. I mean, in America, it's tolerated. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The God thing is there in most people's hearts. But in Australia, it's completely opposite. It's actually like living in downtown Austin, like <laughs> completely opposite to the rest of America. Anyway, uh, and so he's like, ah. And so it, it turns and says, hey, uh, I just felt like God say to do a handstand. And he was like, but why did God tell you that? And he goes, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just hearing. I'm just hearing I'm, and I'm, I'm doing what he says. And the young man sits down and has a conversation with him and says, I just said to God, God, if you're real, and he was about to take his own life, and he said, if God, if you're real, then send someone over to that Coke machine to do a handstand. Wow. Hallelujah. So it's the little inclinings that when you hear, that you take it in and you go, okay, I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to be bold with what it is that God's putting into my heart, and I'm going to respond to seek God and to hear from God. It starts sometimes with the little things. Don't watch that. Don't do that. 
And you know, when I heard that Coke story as a kid, I remember thinking, oh God, I'll do handstands in front of any Coke machine you want. Just tell me and I'll do it. Tell me and I'll do it. And then you get the bigger challenges that come along. And you're like, oh, I don't know. God, that seems real big. And when I was sitting in my room, I was like, mm, God, you told me to come over and now you tell me to come back. Maybe I'm just confused. This doesn't make any sense. But you know, when you, when you step into the step two, which is obedience, God begins to unlock things. And all of a sudden, the voice gets louder and louder and louder because you're hearing and obeying. They, they, uh, they were obedient when it made no sense. Those men that were there to dig the ditches, even though it didn't make any sense, even though it felt like, am I digging my own grave? They obeyed and they stepped into what God had for them because of their obedience. And obedience, the definition is the act or the practice of obeying or complying with or following commands, the restriction or wishes of instruction. Digging ditches all night out of pure obedience because they were told. These guys had no water for seven days. They're absolutely exhausted. It is the last thing that they wanted to do. But they worked all night because they heard, they sought God, they heard from God, and they obeyed. It starts with the little things. And when you mess up, when you make a mistake and you miss it, and you're like, oh, snap, I missed it. I should have done that. I should have stepped up. You've got to know that God is good and He'll bring you the opportunity. And often there is a price to be paid. But when God's starting you on this journey, he's a good dad and he looks after you. But 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, what's more pleasing to God? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? To his voice. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than the offering of fat of rams. Don't pay a price of turning that voice off and turning the volume down. Step out and trust God. Obedience is the choice between our limited knowledge and God's unlimited knowledge and His power. Don't look for it in the big things, but look for it in the little things. You know, Naaman is a, is a young man who, in the Bible who uh, had a leprosy kind of plague on his body and he went to the the prophet to, to find healing and, and was like, okay, I'm coming to you, Elisha, because I want to see uh, my body made whole. And, and so Elisha goes into prayer for him and basically comes out to him and says, listen, what you need to do is you need to go down to the Jordan River and you need to dip yourself in seven times. And Naaman's like, I am not doing that. That is ridiculous. Like if I'm going to jump into a river, I'm not jumping into the Jordan River. It's filthy. I've got better rivers where I come from. And he walks out and the message version says this, that he complained and he stomped off. And his servant went away and chased him and said, if not the prophet had said something hard and heroic, wouldn't you have not done it? So why not this simple wash and clean? And then he went and he did as he was instructed seven times and the first time came back up nothing's happening go back down again nothing's happening and seven times as instruction instructed he came back up and he had skin like a baby because he was obedient to what was asked be obedient when you don't know where obedience will lead you third thing is this 
is that these guys laboured hard. They put in a hard-working effort. Hard-working effort. I looked up the labour de definition. I like to, to kind of get my head around some of these things. And I was like, physical or mental work, especially of hard or fatiguing kind of toil. These guys toiled ridiculously. They strived. And it kind of reminds me of the parable in Luke 19. Anyone familiar with the parable of the talents? In Luke 19, it talks about uh, the, the, uh, the boss, the manager, gives out talents and says, hey, I've got to go out of town. I need you to look after these things. And he gives three people different things. And in this, two of the, two of the servants, two of the workers esteemed the master's request. They stepped out in obedience to what was asked of them. And they gave it 100% effort. And when he came back, they got a return. But there was another man who feared the master, who did not esteem him or step out in obedience, but feared him. And he took the easy option. He chose not to listen to what was said. And he decided, oh, I'll just save it. I'll just bury it and keep it. So when he comes back, I, I haven't taken anything from him. He buried it. And when the master came back, the master said, hey, where's what I've given you? And he said, here, here is exactly what you gave to me. And he was like, no, I gave to you that you would put a get a return on this, that you would work this, that you would put effort into this, that you would apply yourself. And he missed it because he didn't hear what the master had said. He didn't obey what the master had said. And as a result, he didn't labour. And he was lazy and he brought it back. And as a result, the master said, away with you and take of that and give to those who have worked and laboured. Three things. Seek, hear and, hear, and obey. And labour. Step out in the things that God is asking of you. And Colossians 3.23 says this, Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Whatever you do, do it as you're doing it to the Lord and not to men. Put in hard yards. Treat it like it's your own. There's a difference between a hireling and an owner. A hireling will only give the minimum. An owner gives 100%. Take the responsibility that's been given to you and live for that, that, that great reward of live well... Um, for the great reward of what it says in Matthew where it says, live for the well done, good and faithful servant. Is that okay? You can't have obedience without effort. And effort has to be exerted out of hearing and obeying. And being faithfully obedient with what you have been asked to do in the natural is where God comes in and puts his super on the natural. And the supernatural requires hearing from God, walking in obedience, and putting in labour. Is that okay? Hey, I'm going to finish with one more story. I had a, um, a friend of mine who is a, a non-Christian. I've been friends with her for a number of years. Actually, she was my sister's high school friend. 
we became friends in our young adult life and, uh, and her and her fiance and then now her husband, uh, just really good friends and had opportunities to sow little seeds into their life. And um, you know those moments where you're talking with someone who's completely unsaved, they have no framework or reference for God. This was basically my friend. And so as I was sowing little bits and seeds and bits and pieces, she would often come back and ask questions. And we had a conversation and it was just around her 30th birthday. And she said to me, we've been trying to have a kid and we can't fall pregnant. And I'm up to my fifth attempt on an IVF program and it's not working. And we're at a 30th birthday party. I'm standing there with my friend and I hear this inner voice. You need to pray for her. And I was like, yeah, sure, I can do that, God. I can pray for her. That's what, that's what we do, right? I'm a pastor. That's what we do. There's a non-Christian at her 30th birthday party. And God says, I want you to pray for her here. And I was like, um, okay. Like I said, in Australia, it's a bit like downtown Austin, right? Okay. So I'm plucking up the courage throughout the whole party. <laughs> you know that moment where you're like, okay, all right, I got this. Go on, you got this, you got this. And I walk, walk up to say our goodbyes to her and, and I just said, hey, you shared with me before about the fact that you're trying to have a baby and it's not working out for you. Are you okay if I pray for you? She's like, yes, that would be awesome. That's what I was trying to get to <laughs> previously. I'm like, fantastic. Let's pray. <laughs> no option. Can I pray now? Let's pray. <laughs> and she was like, oh, Okay, so I just stood there in the middle of the party with my friend next to me and we just stood there, eyes wide open. God, I thank you for Kat. I thank you for her. I thank you, Lord, that you are going to answer her prayer, her desire to have a child. I pray, God, that this would be a sign to her that you are real. And I just prayed a really simple, brief prayer and walked away. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. That wasn't so hard after all. Ever been there? And you're like, okay. She rang me up about, a, about five, six weeks later and she said, you're never going to believe this. I'm pregnant. I'm like, are you for real? She's like, yeah. And she goes, you don't think it was that prayer, do you? <laughs> and I was like, look, I'm going to be honest. You tried everything in the natural. I just bought an element of God, of a natural prayer, and God put his super on it. And I believe that God just answered your prayer. He's real. He loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And I would have loved to have told you right now that she was like, got saved on the phone, but it's, it, that ain't happened yet. But, you know, it's been an incredible journey to watch. Her kid is five years old this year, and I go to his birthday every single year. And it is such a good thing to be a part of. But you know what? It started with the voice. And when I was younger, it started with the don't watch that, don't go there, don't do that. And he starts off with the little things. Don't wait for the big thing. Start with the little thing. It may be give into an offering. It may be serve. It may be something that is so little. But I promise you this. When you seek him and you hear from him and you obey him and you work hard at it, I promise you this, you are walking in a supernatural life where he takes what you do in the natural and he puts his super on it and says, hey, all things are possible and this is where miracles can happen. Is that all right? Awesome. Can I pray for you? 
God, I just thank you for these people that are sitting here this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit, you take the word and that, God, it would produce fruit in their lives. Lord, as they step out, as they hear you, as they begin to, to seek you for a word for the situations they're in or just to seek you for a word that, that you might use them. I pray, God, that you would be faithful to them and that you would go before them and you would make ways before them. And that, God, as they labor in what you've given to them, they would walk in the blessing and the abundance of that. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, Boss Harry. Yeah, thank you, Sheree.